0: Hello and welcome to this, we are the Love Rugby League podcast, we're also back on Radio General, we are of course the final hooter, my name's Dave Parkinson, delighted to be joined again via the Ultimate in Social Distancing, this is the Ultimate Social Distance podcast and radio show, Uh, joined by my co-host over the telephone line, Adrian Jackson, how you doing mate?
1: Hello! Yes, I'm back. Social distancing, of course, and that's the new norm, isn't it, Dave? I mean, Rugby League was back in action on the field, and again, other than the players getting to grips with each other, everything was done from a social distance point of view, wasn't it? Because it was quite weird, and speaking to the guys who were at Headley on Saturday, how, how their experience was, and yeah, just the fact there's no fans in the in the ground as well, that was weird.
0: I, it is a weird a whole whole weird situation in all honesty, isn't it? Um I mean I'm it really is. pleased that we've got some rugby to talk about, you know, because we... we
1: have, yeah. I thought yeah, I thought the action was really good. Um like so for for us to be an accredited journalist within the World of Rugby League, having to apply again for behind doors accreditation is a bit weird. And I believe when you do get a, um accredited to to a game, you've literally gotta sign your life away of being told. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I believe that you've got a you, you've got to fill a health questionnaire in in the week previous. You've got to fill yes. one in the day before. When you get to the ground, you have your temperature taken. You're told exactly where you can and can't go within the ground, and uh, you, you're very much uh, you're very much kind of left to your own devices in just that little area, aren't you?
1: Yeah, and there's no there's no close contact with uh, personnel for interviews as well. So even even the interviews after games are, are, are done a different way, where you you all know, like um... If you're not at the ground, you're you're on a Zoom platform. Is that it?
0: Uh, that's right. Yeah, you're you're yeah. down with the kids. You're getting you're getting you're getting down, you're getting, with, you're
1: getting getting down kids, with it. It's yeah. <laughs> so, so all this um being off, being off on furlough pay, which everyone is at the minute, other than the Super League guys. It's uh, yeah, being able to get, see what's happening with the kids in terms of technology. So,
0: shall we have, have a look at both of the Super League results um...
1: before we before we talk about the UK? Um, I want to talk about Brisbane Broncos, if that's okay.
0: All right, yeah. I mean, hang on. This is this is highly unusual for you, Adrian. Normally, we're just sort of totally um, UK based. What, what's made you change your mind here, mate?
1: Yeah, because it's just what what's been going on in Australia regarding Brisbane Broncos. Like, I love mate. I don't watch a lot, a lot of Australian rugby. League. I have only been watching watching a couple of the games since rugby league came back into action um, a, a month ago. Uh, in, in terms of Australia, so to get me rugby league fit to be watching a bit of the Aussie game, but Brisbane Broncos for I me mean, have always been the glamour club of rugby league. I really, they, they are the glamour boys, and when, when you see what's going on at the minute within the club, both on the field and off the field, it's a shambles.
0: They're a shadow of the former selves, aren't they? Oh, you know,
1: dear me, yeah.
0: You've got Darren Locke here now in a, a director's capacity, who I believe is getting quite a lot of stick off fans. Um, mm. they've, they've also got Anthony Seabold in there as coach now, haven't they? Former South Sydney coach, of course. Um,
1: well, you think about Anthony Seibold. Yeah, he's had a bit of a, a steady rise within the within the ranks of coaching, hasn't he? Anthony Seabold in the fact that you know he started off at the bottom ladder here in the UK. with um, with Celtic Crusaders um, at one point and all of a sudden he's got the glamour job of Brisbane Broncos and everything seems to be going to plan for him until now.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right there. I mean, the, but there was there was rumblings at Brisbane for the last couple of years, wasn't there? I mean, when um, I'm just thinking, uh, Wayne Bennett was there, wasn't he, for a, a second time in charge? And then yeah. there was a, a, an unceremonious uh, swapping of coaches when Anthony Siebel then got the job, and uh, you know, uh, Wayne Bennett went off to to South Sydney. So things haven't been right there really for the last eighteen months or so, I would say.
1: Yeah, the Glamor Boys of rugby league, they are basically. In terms of sport, they are the man united the five rugby league. They're massive. And and to see what's going on there is just unreal. Absolutely unreal. And that's probably saved them is the fact they don't have relegation and promotion in Australia.
0: You do sort of look at their squad and there is a hell of a lot of really good players. I mean, one player that has been stepping up is Herbie Farnworth, you know, who's a UK lad, to be honest. Well, you know. he's at Wigan, uh, he was, he was. He also did his amateur days at uh, Newton Storm, I think, as well. Wow. So, you know, not that far removed from where, where we're recording from. And, uh, yeah, uh, and the, the thing is, they've also got some, some really... Good, young, talented players coming through the ranks. They've got the likes of Tom dearden who toured with the last um, Australian schoolboys. They've got Katoni Staggs, who it seems every time he plays, he scores a try or two and can kick goals as well. You know, he's a really decent centre. Um, and, and, you know, there's there's other players. Uh, Fafita, unfortunately, they're going to be losing him to Gold Coast next year, which I think is a huge, huge blow. Uh, but they've got Payne Hass as well. who You look at his stats, and he's amongst the best front rowers in the NRL competition, but there's just something missing. Uh, and they just can't seem to get any cons- consistent performances. I mean, I watched their game last week and they were in control for, what, 70 minutes. They were in front of Cronulla by eight points at that stage. So they were leading 26-18. And then they caved in. Cronulla scored three tries back to back in the last 10 minutes uh, and ended up snatching that win by 36 points to 26. And yeah, it just seems to be getting from uh, from bad to worse. They seem to have forgotten how to win games, which is a big worry, really, when, as you said, they're they're almost like the Man United of uh, of the NRL, really, aren't they?
1: And considering all that, what's going on, on on the field, um, the coach seems to be getting all, those dreaded vital confidences. does
0: not he? I think he's had three already, which is three always, already? yeah. I think wow,
1: he's a lucky boy, isn't he? I think it's <laughs> always,
0: he's always a bad thing that. But I mean, you, you mentioned as well, you know, that probably the fact that they don't have relegation has, has saved him. It's not saved a couple of other coaches. I noticed that Dean Pay resigned from uh, oh, the Bulldogs right. a few weeks ago. Uh, I mean, yeah. they, they've also been having a bit of a, a bum deal with regards to, to results and stuff. Um, Steve George ali who was his assistant coach has gone in there for the rest of the season Uh, and then we had the unceremonious sacking of uh, Stephen Kearney of course over at the New Zealand Warriors so uh, again they're another club that has has regularly flattered to deceive unfortunately over there in the NRL since they they made a grand final a few years ago Um, and and at the moment they've got their assistant coach Todd Payton in charge until the end of the season and he's not back the chance to take the top job um, for family reasons I believe
1: with our um, Brisbane Broncos, it seems to have lost it a little bit off off the field. have do they really. And I, I do feel sorry for Anthony Seaboard. he's literally being thrown under the bus, uh, shall we say?
0: I don't know. They, they, they look like they're like rabbits caught in headlights. To be fair, um, and and like I said, they just seem to have lost their. I've lost the will to win. You know, they get themselves in decent positions and then just can't seem to can't seem to do it. On which it is really strange when you, as I say, you look at some of the personnel there. And um, you know, I think he's he's got a tough road ahead there, hasn't he? As uh, Anthony Seabold, like you mentioned, he had that meteoric rise straight through the ranks, and uh, it all seems to be going wrong. It sometimes happens that, doesn't it? Let's hope that so you know jealous. he can turn it round, or that for his own uh, his own sake. If Brisbane isn't the place for him, the next job that he gets in rugby league, he can turn that round as well and, and really start adding to it. You know, because
1: whoever goes in there, park is going to struggle because there's obviously something going on upstairs as well. There's obviously some inboard fighting going on, and it's it's affecting what's happening on the, on the on the field.
0: It's a really curious notion, isn't it? You know. So, but right. I, I guess it's something that, from uh, from afar, we can keep our eye on, can't we? Because there's bound to yeah. be lots of twists and turns between now and the end of the season. Which, uh, to be honest, is eight games away now. Over in the NRL.
1: Well, we're one game in from project restart. Uh, happened uh, at heavenly, no fans. Same time taken on Catalan Dragons straight away lot of controversial stuff to talk about in the fact that Israel fell out and decided to not take the knee
0: um i'm I'm a little bit I'm a little bit torn on this one to be honest because let's be honest everyone has the right to just do what they want when it comes to this but for me it's almost like a bit of a respect issue you know um and yeah. and you think with you think with Israel has he not courted enough controversy in his career? Um mm. you know, so I mean I don't know what what do you feel about it? You know, are we are we, are we have it's I come down choice, hard on him though? Uh, but it's personal choice, I, isn't
1: it? I, it is a personal choice. He's obviously decided um I'm not gonna participate in that. So he, that's his decision. Um should he just go along with it for, uh just to get it done and dusted without everyone still talking about it, like we are a couple of days later? Um maybe he should have, but he's obviously decided he wants to make a bit of a stand against it and Maybe it's all about, let's talk about Israel Folau instead of what happened on the field, which is exactly what's happened.
0: I mean, to be honest, we're speculating, aren't we? Because unfortunately, nobody's actually asked him the question. No,
1: um... no, yes, Steve McManad and he was like, uh, it's decision
0: but it shouldn't be it shouldn't be for Steve McNamara to try no, and explain that it should be right let's get Israel Folau in let's ask him the question and find out exactly why because then it cuts out all the speculation you know so I, I, I think that you know the press putting his coach in that position that they did was a bit unfair really you know because let, let's be honest as as we've said it's personal choice when all said and done isn't it so that person you'd think should be have the question posed to them um, and, and he should be able to say, well, it's because of X, Y, Z or I believe in this, this and this, you know, which would then be fair enough. You know, if, if we had an explanation and we had that sort of uh, that, that sort of feedback, then we wouldn't even be talking about it, would we? But I think the fact that nobody's clarified it at all seems to have um, exacerbated it a little bit. Do you
1: think it was wrong to not take the name?
0: I think it would have been, the easier choice would have been to take the yeah, knee, and to, and, take the knee. And, and, and to do it, you know, because unfortunately um, it gets us talking from stuff which is not involved in the field of play really, you know, again.
1: It's certainly something he could do without is isn't it, really?
0: But again, I would like to pose that question to him, you know, so even yeah. through this podcast, if somehow, you know, Israel Folau manages to hear this, I, I yeah. would like him to, you know, stand up at some point and say, I did this because of X, Y, Z. And I think that just well, explains if, it all the well, way.
1: He does, the, 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 the situation he's found himself in could be put to bed and it could be dealt with and we can move on. But because he's not come out and explained his reasons, it's not being put to bed, has it?
0: Uh, and it's a, it's a big talking point obviously because uh, he's quoted controversy in the past, isn't it? So yeah. people will, may, will maybe attach uh, negative connotations to it and he might, there might not be anything in it. That's the whole point as well that I guess I'm trying to make. But yeah, it, it, it wasn't a great look, you know, when you you seemingly had everybody else uh, adhering to it and, and showing their respect for the uh, Black Lives Matter movement um, and then you've got that one guy who's sort of stood up. I mean, he was respectful in it. I've got to admit, you know, it's not like yeah, he was dancing he around; or he just didn't take the knee. And there's been examples of it in other sports as well, hasn't there? You it know, you, you look yeah. at things like the uh, the Formula One, for example. Um, you know, I, half of I think up to half of the uh, the drivers in the Formula One Championship haven't been taking the knee when they've been, uh, you know, put putting that forward. Um, so it all comes down to personal choice, doesn't it?
1: Right, let's talk about the action. A couple of changes in the rulings for, for this uh, restart of rugby league, uh, and the fact we've got the six again um, tackle, uh, no scrums as well. Uh, and, and to be honest, it's the, the first game that I've seen seemed to work in St. Anthony's benefit in the fact that uh, because the Catalans were forever um, being penalised for the six again, they were just on tackling duties and they? they looked shattered. To
0: be honest. Uh, believe it or not, there was only eight eight set restarts in the game. Um mm-hmm. so I think saint Helens got five of them. But it's like you would expect, isn't it, really? Because they've got one of the yeah. most dynamic dummy halves in the sport in James Roby. Uh Aaron Smith as well, who they've got coming through the ranks there, he's another guy that, you know, is quite quick around dummy half. And if you are gonna hang on, you're gonna you are gonna get penalised and you're gonna pay the price, aren't you? Uh but yeah. you're right, I thought that Catalan's from from an early point of view, you know, That's not
1: okay, it?
0: they did. They started off first of five or six minutes. They had that break from uh, Josh Drinkwater where he sl- he split the line, but he had no support. And I just thought that that was where it kind of like went downhill from there. It was a bright start. I think, unfortunately, in losing. Uh, Michael Michelorum as well didn't help them. Um, they ended up with Alrix de Costa coming on, and then um, he couldn't really spark them up around the dummy half area. But I thought some of the forwards. I was, I was, you know, with, with regards to Catalans, it's always the forwards. If they, if they're on the front foot, it's always due to the forwards and the the big dynamic pack that they have. And I just thought that they were negated. I thought that um, Zeb Teja, for example, had a worldie. He was brilliant sets a couple you of tries up you scores one himself it
1: was the Catalans and uh, when San Cassiano came on I think he just decided he just wanted to uh, flatten James Graham because he was awful and uh, he spent more time trying to have a, a dig with James Graham rather than just getting on with the game.
0: Yeah, I was actually having a look at his stats as well. They don't make uh, they don't make really good reading, you know. So for such no. a big fella, he only took the ball in four times. He could have took it in seven times, but dropped the ball three times. So uh, and then he, he passed that ball out as well, which uh, I think it was um, Percival intercepted on halfway and they scored a try off the back of it, didn't they? So, you know, um, yeah, it wasn't the greatest of performances in the world, and surely not one to add to the highlights reel. I think for Cassiano.
1: James Glane back after nine years, I'd feel he went
0: solid. Solid. I think that's all you can say, really. He got a couple of yep. nice passes away out of the tackle. Uh, I actually looked at his stats and uh, he made 84 metres from 13 carries, which is a solid effort. You know, he was involved when he was on the field. Um, you know, he's not the James Graham of old, but then again, I don't think anybody was expecting it. You know, he's he's. I think we, we touched on it, didn't we, in our preview uh, that he's coming back and he's nine years older. So yep. that's bound to take a, a toll, especially when you've been playing in that top league in the NRL. And we know how fast that is uh, for the for the last nine years. It's going to take a toll on you, isn't it? So, um, yeah. yeah, I think uh, he's been brought over for his experience, hasn't he? And I, I thought that it was a solid effort from him. And I think we'll probably see a little bit more of him over the coming weeks as he settles more into life back in the British game, it would be fair to say.
1: Yeah, I was really impressed with St. So Well done for them uh, to get there first win back in the World of Rugby League uh, second game saw Leeds Rhinos playing an away game
0: yeah an away <laughs> game, game at home
1: <laughs> um, and Huddersfield were coasting weren't they but then all of a sudden Leeds just grabbed the winner with a golden point Yeah, I
0: mean, I spoke spoke before, didn't I, about Brisbane Broncos chucking away a winning position against Cronulla. You could argue that, uh, you know, Huddersfield were in an even stronger position. 63 minutes on the board, 26 points to six in front. You're thinking that game's done and dusted. All they need is just to keep hold of the ball when they've got it, just to play out the sets. Uh, You had Gaskell and Caesar really taking the game by the scruff of the neck at that particular point, kicking the ball deep, decent chase, decent defence. And then... They got a couple of injuries in the space of 2 minutes I think over on the it was on the right on the side of the defense um, and they just went to pot after that suddenly the ball started finding Conrad Hurrell again and he had a field day in the last 20 minutes. It was just—it was like chalk and cheese, to be fair, that Leeds performance. I thought that they started really well, did Leeds. Um, Huddersfield then dominated for 50, 55 minutes and then Leeds just sort of came on with a wet sail. I thought it was a, a really good performance from them in the last 20 minutes. But uh, I guess Richard Agar will be asking where that was for the rest of the game.
1: Been weird, it, it? Because, it, like we said, that head me, but it wasn't the away game. So I'm wondering whether they had to sit in the away dressing room.
0: Uh, they probably did. I wonder whether they've ever been in there before. It's like, where's this no. place? You know what? What Not do you mean? What, what do you mean we've got to turn right where we normally go left? <laughs> yeah,
1: no, that'd have been a strange situation for them, wouldn't it?
0: Got to say as well, from that game, Daniel McIntosh for Huddersfield was excellent. He scored a hat trick. Um, and I thought that the other winger on the other side, considering that he only had a late call-up, he too uh, sort of really got stuck in. Lewis Sr. scored two tries. But but for Leeds, I was really impressed with Alex Meller. I think he had a lot to prove, obviously having come from Huddersfield last season. But I thought he was up there with the top performers on, on that uh, on that day. And even though Cuthbertson is getting on a bit in rugby league years, I thought he made a big impact when he came on. He was really starting to take Leeds forward. So, you know... It's a must-do better, I suppose, for Leeds Rhinos, and they've just got to look at improving just a little bit, Huddersfield Giants, and and finding a way not to throw a game away like they did there. Uh, and we could say for the Catalans Dragons, they've almost got to go back to the drawing board because I thought that they were a bit soft after, you know, they, they lost a couple of their own players as well. And and I agree with you; I thought Saints were particularly solid and looked good. So we sort of saw four of the sides in action, didn't we? And um, we did. I just want to sort of come to it because I know you've already mentioned it with regards to the, um, uh, the, the sort of new rules and how you thought hardly ever missed the scrums. You know, it didn't seem to really stand out, the fact that we didn't have any scrums. And, and we, we were discussing, and you in particular thought that that would be something that had really come to pass, didn't you?
1: No, I hope they don't decide um, to do away with the scrums. I hope they don't take this, this season what's left of it because it is only a 15-round uh, round Season we've got, and then we have a top four playoff against to to Old Trafford. I hope when we sit down and look at this at the end of the season, I hope they simply decide not to go with. Yeah, we don't need the scrums now. I mean, listen, the scrums for me, it's not. All, it's not for me. It's not about the uh, the scrums of all where it's all compete, competitive and you compete for the scrum uh, to get the ball. It's not like that anyway, is it? It just takes 12 fellas out, out of the, the equation, out, out of the, the plays to happen uh, from the scrums on, and has the back running from deep uh, onto the ball. Mm. But if you, look at, you know, look at it in Australia, they seem to have plays coming in off the, off, off the scrums, whereas we don't seem to utilise that a lot
0: you're right and i think i think another thing that's revolutionized the scrum play in Australia is that you can actually pick where you have the scrum taken so you can have yeah. you know you can have it in the middle of the field in which case you've got more of a chance for working overlaps and stuff haven't you depending on how you set your back line up so yeah it would be i think long term i agree i think it would be a bad move if they got rid of them but i have to say i didn't really notice that they were missing you know and i thought that i would do in the games so, the issue
1: i've got with this, uh, this uh, the reason we're not having scrums is because there's a, there's a chance um uh, of somebody passing you, you might you might run the risk of of catching uh, if someone's got coronavirus any symptoms you might pass on the symptoms but that's the case why we've got can't have a scrum down, but you can get tackled by three
0: fellas. Well, I think generally with Example. the scrums, uh, I think this was explained in one of the briefings that they held for the right. press. Um, you know, before before the restart, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And they were explaining that because of the amount of scrums that happen within a game, and right. the fact that so many players get together in those scrums, in removing them, they take away twelve hundred contacts a game, oh, uh, okay. of getting really close. And and you, you, right. whereas in a tackle, you tend to be in and out, minute. don't you? It's sort of like you're probably yeah. tackling and you're involved in a tackle for about five or six seconds, you know, and then it's up and played again, into it? And the, the game's back underway. Whereas with a scrum, everybody gets in position and they're there for about 15, 20 seconds. So there's a lot longer trans- chance for it to transmit. They're just being sensible. Obviously, here in this country, we've got a far different problem than in Australia. Although, having said that, they have started, um, you know, coming down with uh, different. Uh, lockdowns in Australia as well now. So, like for example, example Melbourne uh, has a general lockdown. Victoria, the whole state, has also got increased increased rulings there uh, and i think that queensland as well were also looking at closing the borders uh, for sydney siders coming in so it's a good job that a lot of these um, players over in australia are getting tested regularly and you would hope as well that with the regular testing that's taking place over here it will cut down any issues before they actually arise but you know i don't think you can be i don't think we can be too harsh on the rugby league in all fairness i think I that. Know. i think that you know it's it's about it's about being, you know being steady and being safe, um, You know, I think, even at this early juncture. and uh, we, let, Let's be honest, we needed Super League back because that's paying some of the bills, isn't it?
1: Well, we haven't got League One or the Championship. That's been decided to be no voided. Um, announced as well, didn't we? uh, A new competition with a, a cash pot of £250,000 for those clubs to participate in, but it looks like there's not many takers
0: there for a the party. Uh, yeah, at the moment when we're recording this, there's only two clubs that have come forward and said that they will participate. Those are Bradford and Batley. Um, the interesting thing, though, about this is that sometimes when you, you, you see what all these clubs are saying, there's a little bit more... Of um, the story coming out, you know, behind the scenes at each particular club, like Batley, for example, we're saying that they face a deficit next season of forty-eight thousand pounds. Now, for a Super League club, that's probably peanuts but for a a championship club, that's a huge hole in the budget, isn't it? It is. Um, Oldham as well, they announced that they would be losing up to twenty-seven grand next season as well. Uh, But Oldham were one of, uh, I think, 13 clubs have so far declined and said that they're not going to be participating in this this competition. So the list that I've got at the minute is Rochdale, Oldham, Workington, Whitehaven, York City Knights, Newcastle, Hunslet, Keithley, Halifax, Widnes, West Wales Raiders, North Wales Crusaders, and Swinton. So that's a, a huge proportion of the clubs that are knocking around in League One and Championship that have said, "We can't afford to get back. We can't afford to take our players off furlough and and to start playing with the risk of not having, uh, you know, not having people in the grounds." I think that's the important thing.
1: So you think, you mentioned, they're not going to do that, why they can't afford to bring players off furlough. What's going to happen when the furlough scheme ends in, in October?
0: Uh, well, I mean, I suppose if they're being fortunate, if we're talking about fortunate at that particular time, most... Contracts have are
1: finished, out. Yeah,
0: contracts run till the end of November. So if you look at it, yeah. they've only just got to find, you know, six, eight weeks of money you know, at at tops, so that's a little bit more manageable I would guess, Um, you know and plus as well, there is this £16 million government loan that is hiding in the background that the rugby league have and and we've not heard how that's going to be used by anybody yet, I think there was some talk of Castleford putting in um, a request for some monies, but uh, I don't I don't think I've heard of anybody else at this particular stage. So it's all really, really interesting. And I do feel a little bit sorry that this competition isn't going to be quite what the rugby league wanted in the first place. Because I was reading how the prize fund was going to be split up and it seemed quite good at the time. So the winners of it were going to get 35 grand. The runners up were going to get 25 grand. Uh, they were going to play in two conferences, so the conference winners would get thirty-five grand, the runners-up would get twenty-five grand. If you finished third in your conference, you got twenty grand, and if you finished fourth, you got fifteen grand. So that was how, uh, you know, the the money was going to be split. Um, so it wasn't like. You know, the winner of it gets 250 grand, which uh, that it's way, a
1: prize pot, it's
0: a prize pot, you know. And I'm hoping that mm-hmm. the Super League clubs now, with all that's going on, don't actually ask for it back. I wonder whether they could do if <laughs> nobody, if nobody back. puts the name forward. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> uh, but at the moment, we've got an interesting final there between Bradford and Batley. It remains to be seen whether anybody else puts their hand up to, okay. to, to play. There's uh, various rumours... There's various rumours at Lee and Featherstone, but yeah, it's a case of watching this space, I suppose, like you said.
1: Clubs are obviously keen to get back out there next season because there's been a raft of players re-signing for for their chosen clubs outside the Super League for next year. But one signing that's not happened yet, but they reckon it's going to happen, and it's an an interesting one, is the fact that Ryan Atkins is being linked with York City Knights.
0: Yeah, they're being linked with a couple of players actually, because they're also being linked with former Warrington star Morgan Smith as well from London Broncos.
1: Witness as Ralph signed Matt Cook from Castleford.
0: Yeah, but you, you all look like they're really putting an interesting side together if you look at if you look at those two potential signings, and and yeah. you mentioned Witness their signing Matt Cook, which suggests that they're really going to bolster the forward stock. Which, to be fair, they probably needed to do that anyway, didn't they? The forwards look yeah. like being the, the the weak link, if you like, for for Witness this season, and I'm sure. That Tim Sheens has looked at it and thought, we do need to get somebody in. That's a great signing, to be honest, Matt Cook. He's been a very good performer, as any else were.
1: He's had a stellar career. I mean, it's that experience that's lacking within the park. I mean, the Chapparals are willing workers, but they're very inexperienced, so they'll learn off him, and hopefully improve them as plays as well.
0: Yeah, that's if the Chapel lows stick around, because rumour has it they around, they, they've that? not even been offered anything yet. So um, yeah. we, we remain to find out. But yeah, one of the signings that's caught my eye is Scott Morell. So he's leaving Halifax after eight seasons. After he's,
1: all these years, yeah. he's decided to go.
0: Yeah, he's going to Keithley on a two-year deal. So how right. good are Keithley going to be next season? Because he's still a right. canny operator, isn't he? Yes, is. is,
1: The legs may not be there, but the brain is, isn't it? It's still... You can still do pull off a wonder move out of the bag when you're not expecting it in Scott Morrell.
0: And you mentioned the, the, the re-signings and stuff that have taken place at the likes of uh, of Rochdale and Swinton, who've done certainly lots of retention. Um, we've actually got Ottawa Races who are coming in, who've announced their first two signings. So the first guy that they signed was Louis Giffray, who has been a top player in the championship for the likes of Whitehaven, Batley yeah. and Featherstone down the last few years. And yeah. they've just recently announced Tom Gilmore as well. Uh, what did you think of that one?
1: Wow, well, I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that one actually. like you said, Tom uh, left Wootton to go and play with Halifax? Um, yeah, that, that came out that came out out the blue, isn't it? That
0: one. We've also got Toulouse who are making some interesting moves in the transfer market as well. They're signing Mitch Garbutt for next season from Kingston yeah. Rovers, which um, I mean, he's a he's a championship-winning uh, prop forward, isn't he?
1: Yeah, has still got um, some quality about him, isn't it, Garbert, Hasn't it?
0: Yeah, very much so. Very much so. That's
1: for the future within the championship. It's good to see that these clubs there. Uh... Sending the messages out there that they are signing players and are, are eager to get back out there and get playing rugby
0: league in the lower leagues of rugby league. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that you know it's it's a must, and it shows that um, it shows that there's some solidarity coming together now, doesn't it? And the fact that everybody's looking forward with one thing in mind, which is 2021. Uh, we've even had the uh, the amateur game actually saying that they're going to look at making strides. It all depends on uh, on the rugby league return to play document, which is uh, yeah. going to be coming out over the coming days. But um yeah, I, I'm quite excited for that as well. You know my love for the amateur game, Aid.
1: Well, we've talked about clubs that are eager to so get back out there uh, for 2021 uh, and we've got Super League back uh, the rest of the season to hopefully get, get to find out who's going to be the grand final winners in 2020. But one team that's not going to be participating is going to be Toronto Wolfpack because the world of rugby league rocked with the news literally two weeks before the start of the season uh, and they're not going to be able to fulfil the fixtures.
0: Yeah, in a way I was really surprised at this at the time, Um, you know, because you would be hoping that everything would have been going forward. But having taken stock... Um, and we're going to be hearing from some highly esteemed Toronto fans in the next few minutes. But having taken stock on what they said to me, I kind of like think it's it's almost the right decision for the Wolfpack because they risk losing another two or three million pounds.
1: Everyone forgets that, don't they? Everyone's just going, "Oh well, the Canadian, they and you can't fulfil the fixtures. They shouldn't be. In it. it shouldn't be. In it. it should get relegated." But uh, and I know they've had the we got an email through yesterday, didn't we? saying the the, the membership has been stripped away from them, the agreement they had in place so if they do want to come back they've got to reapply for membership I think clubs and the RFL and Super League have got to be a bit lenient with them because given the, the circumstances of where we find ourselves uh, couldn't expect a club like like so Toronto where they have not, not going to be able to play any, any home games whatsoever so they've got no income, they've got no sponsorships coming in and um, and to play games over here, they've got to start renting stadiums. I don't know. The, the money's going there. They're, they're losing money hand over fist, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah, no. you do, you do, you do kind of feel sorry for for them in, in that matter. But people who don't know what's going on just see the fact they gave all the money to Bill Williams. They're resigning, or they were signing players for next season. Then they announce all of a sudden. not gonna fulfill the fixtures
0: here. But you also look at it and the fact that if they'd been able to play the fixtures they were meant to over in Canada, that would have uh, afforded them the money coming in to pay everybody. So that would have settled everything. So we wouldn't be having this conversation. So I think it's a it's a real unique set of circumstances. And I have to admit, you know, like I've been gobby about Toronto over the over the past and I've suggested that it's not going to work. And I've been maybe I've been re examining my thought process, you know, after sort of reading a lot, after hearing a lot. And, and I don't know, I'm sort of all alongside you these days now, Adrian, where I'm thinking they need to be given another chance. We need to grow the sport and we need to make it so that if you're coming in as a new club, you have an idea of exactly where you go. I mean, I think that it's terrible that they've come into this league and they've never been a member club. You'd think anybody coming into rugby league to play in our competition would be voted as a member club and have those voting yeah. rights, and that was something that clearly what it meant was Toronto signed a bum deal in the first place.
1: Yeah, without a doubt, He like I said he started the dream of it for three, four years, about well, five years ago. Then have got to where they are now within three seasons, four seasons of playing. It's, it's just gone the gym's gone gone per shape hasn't it and the the amount of money they've thrown even never mind Mr Perez but the current owner David Argyle you know 30 million Canadian dollars that's I don't know how many pounds you get for a Canadian dollar party but that's a lot of money
0: it's a lot of moolah isn't it it's it's the sort it's the sort of money that we can only dream of to be honest isn't it so, yeah, I, I do believe that, you know, they've got to look at this situation. Um, apparently, you know, as, as after that big announcement with regards to uh, the participation agreement being ripped up by Super League, um, Toronto did respond by saying they have had interest from two different parties of taking over the franchise, one of which comes from Newcastle Thunder and the other one comes from the, uh, the New York venture. So I just sort of wonder, if either of those go in place, will we lose Toronto from the map?
1: That that well, that could happen, couldn't it? Because uh, the, the plan is still with Ricky Will and his gang that I league will happen in New York. So it'd be a lot cheaper for them just to acquire um, the, the, the 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 Toronto franchise, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm certainly starting
1: off uh, with the teams in scratch
0: I- I'm certainly hoping, you know, that we don't see four years of of of. Uh, money and investments into the Toronto system go to waste. Um, but there's, there's a number of things that need to happen.
1: Well, Professor Robes keeps saying they'll
0: step in. <laughs> yeah, and, well, there's a few clubs, isn't there? There's not just yeah. Featherstone who said they step in. London have uh, sort of been quite vocal. Lee have been pretty vocal. Uh, Toulouse seem to be keeping the powder dry. But, you know, they've all got valid claims in one way or another. But I just feel that for the sake of rugby league, Toronto need to be given this second chance, don't they? They need to be given chance yeah. to, to 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 compete on this almost a level playing field because they've been they've been like a boxer all tied up, haven't they? Trying to fight a heavyweight match.
1: Well, that's our views on what you think might happen and what's happened. Let's get the views of some Toronto super fans.
0: Yeah, we're going to hear now from Henry Whitfield, Scott Nordland, and Sandy Shipley, as they spoke to me earlier on in the week, uh, all about everything Toronto. I'm delighted that I'm able to speak to Henry Whitfield and Scott Nordland, two esteemed Wolfpack fans from all the way over in Toronto. How are you doing, fellas?
2: Uh, doing great. It's uh, it's great to be here in to chat. Esteemed might be overselling it, maybe antagonistic, or uh, there's other words we've definitely had to uh, to describe as. Esteemed might not be one of them.
0: Oh, well, you're esteemed to me. So... We're coming into this story sort of like two or three weeks now after Toronto uh, unfortunately gave the news that they wouldn't be able to compete in Super League for the rest of this year. Uh, what were your feelings and your thoughts when you both heard that news, first of all? I mean, there,
2: there's disappointment for sure. It's kind of come in stages for us. Uh, when when coronavirus kind of came across, we, we, we assumed pretty quickly, and Scott actually works in government, so... Uh, I think he was probably the most pragmatic of all of us is we knew pretty certainly we were not going to get rugby league in Canada at the very least way before they announced it. So it's kind of been a series of blows. I think we were shocked, but not too surprised, kind of similar to the response we got from, from Elstone and super league is that there's a lot of challenges behind the scenes. We've heard the bubbling about visas. We knew that there were seven players having issues. We, we, we'd heard rumblings about payments and all these other things. And logistically, when you lose all your home income, and you lose all this revenue, and you're now going to be spending a lot more money, we've been having conversations, Scott and some of the guys over here, is it just doesn't make sense to play. What are they playing for? And if you look at all these other leagues, like League One or Championship that have folded, or even how they're doing it in North America with a lot of sports, it's the question is, like why are they playing? And when the Wolfpack pulled out, it made a lot of sense. Obviously, it's upset a lot of people. And there's, and there's two ways to divide it. But I would say we we're disappointed... We understood at the end of the day, the long-term reason for shutting down. And that's completely separate to all the payment issues, right? It's pulling out of the, this season should have nothing to do with the payment issues that are late. It's all about the other reasons, like spending another $2 million on playing the season and and not getting anything out of it. So I think we're disappointed, not really that shocked. And uh, I think more, more disappointed is really just how I feel.
0: What about yourself, Scott? Obviously, you know, you, you was given the big okay there about getting the news first of all, really, and having your finger <laughs> on the pulse. What, what were your thoughts about it?
3: Yeah, I'm sort sure of the same with Henry. You know, or initially it was like, okay, so once COVID hit, it's like, okay, how can we even do this? Like the NHL is doing a complete bubble model. The NBA is doing a bubble model. The MLB is doing a traveling bubble model. We've seen how that's failed. Uh, the MLS has somewhat failed as well. So you're sort of like, okay, how are they going to do a transatlantic bubble? (laughs) Like, it's just not going to happen. Um, You know, as Henry said, I do work in government, and I'm sort of like, this is there's there's no way if the Blue Jays did not get permission to play in Canada, there's no way the Toronto Wolfpack will. And I think rightfully so. Like, there's no point in risking players that much or risking the public. But you know, as you know, it's been continual blows. It's been like, okay, emotionally, like, okay, this sucks. Like, we're not going to see we're not going to see Wolfpack at all we're not going to like potentially never see Sonny Bill Williams play in Toronto, which is brutal. Um, I'm like both me and Henry come from a union background and came over to the league later. And I love Sonny Bill Williams growing up. And I was like, Oh great. I get to see him in Toronto. I get to make my five hour trek down to Toronto. Cause I had to live in Ottawa <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> um,
3: and that's not happening. So it's like, okay, so now we might have a season. And even the players are like, well, some of them weren't super like pumped to play. Like, you know, we'll do it if we have to. But at the end of the day, financially, it makes sense for the Wolfpack not to. like. At, what are they playing for? It's really the TV contract money. Mm-hmm. It comes down to it. Um, as you've seen from Championship of League One, they aren't playing, and most of the clubs aren't even going to be participating in that autumn tournament. Yeah, 11, so- 11 clubs
2: have pulled out now, and uh, yeah, it's crazy. There's
0: probably more to come as well, I would guess.
2: You <laughs> yeah, know, because I, I definitely, and situation. I think that's where we, we get down to it, Dave, is you, the, the Wolfpack need to sort out the issues that are going on, but moving forward, the Wolfpack and Super League and Rugby League need to sort out what role the Wolfpack have in, in Rugby League and really define it and 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 then move forward. Right? It's uh, I think that's that's where we're all standing here in Canada.
0: I mean, I, I, I've i got to be honest, you know, I, I was perhaps a bit gobby at the time when um, uh, the the initial thing came out because I didn't understand mm-hmm. possibly a lot of the issues that were taking place behind the scenes, you know. So since then, um, I've seen a couple of things that Eric Perez, for example, has done. He did one with Sky. Mm-hmm. He sat down and that was very insightful. And then I, uh, I heard you on uh, one of the local stations to Ottawa the other day sort of explaining about some of the other things. And I'm thinking... Oh yeah, I can adding that to his earlier comments. I'm thinking, in some ways, Toronto got a bit of a bum deal when they came into the rugby league. Of because, course, they did because they came in. They weren't members, so they didn't. Yeah. They, they weren't. They didn't join as members, so they didn't don't have any voting rights for starters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so my my sort of thought process, whilst you know. I, there's probably no excuse for not paying people and things like that. You know, that's another issue entirely. But my yeah. thought process regards this is that, yeah, they've been given a a really good hand to play and almost expected to to, to get tons of money in for everybody else, mm-hmm. but without taking anything from the pot themselves.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, the, the thing that we can definitely see is that Perez interview that he did, and I'm glad you brought it up because it's something we've wanted to talk about is, there's a lot of things he unpacked that no one had heard before. Number one, David wasn't the original investor. Uh, you know, there there was other investors and then the Super League or RFL pulled the central distribution at the last minute and they scared off the original investors. So now Perez is trying to put a deal together. You bring in this exciting guy like David and we've all seen him speak. You know, he's got a lot of money. He buys into the dream and you accept a deal that's a terrible deal. Apparently with a three-year renegotiation period, lots of other things. And I think as you put those pieces together, you can see now why the bad bad deal was made. But again, the club didn't choose to go into League One. They didn't choose to start down there. And I think there's a lot of things that happened in hindsight that the Super League and and Rugby League should have prepared better for. And I mean, you're a long-term time fan. You know the, the missteps that rugby leagues and the officials in the sport have and administrators. So I think what I would say is, you know, you had an owner with a bottomless amount of cash, seemingly at the start, who sunk in 20 million pounds. How are we at this point four years later where things are falling apart that no one in the sport thought, let's make this work because it's good for everybody, right? And then there's misinformation along the way. We still get people complaining that Toronto's taking money out of, you know, Heartland Club's pockets. And that's simply not true. Or, or Robert Elstone came out this week and said, by Toronto not playing, it doesn't actually affect the Sky money. Meanwhile, two weeks ago, when that announcement was made, everyone said, oh, Toronto is going to cost all these Super League clubs money from Sky now. Mm-hmm. And now we've heard that that's not true, you know? And so, you know, the only club I think that has not complained about is probably Hull KR because they lost 40,000 pounds, according to Neil Hudgel over there, for bringing their players back early. So there, there you go. We cost someone 40,000 pounds. Maybe that's a gripe to take on the Wolfpack. But at the end of the day, the Wolfpack would have been out 2 million. They lost millions of dollars this year on not playing rugby league. Do you really think that David Argyle wants this to be his legacy? You know, obviously he's had missteps, but you know, it's, you know, you can't say he meant for this to happen. Right. And I think everyone needs to take a long, hard look at themselves uh, on all sides of it to say, how did we get here when we've sunk 20 million in and now we've got a club, not playing paying players, not participating, and it's not just COVID's fault.
1: Mm
0: I, I mean, it's, let's address that elephant in the room. I mean, the elephant when, in the room. <laughs> when when you have got players that aren't getting paid, I mean, that's not good for that's not good for anybody, is it? That's not good business sort of going forward. People obviously look at this as a as well. You mentioned it as a legacy, really, and you sort of mm-hmm. thinking, well, where, where where does it go from here? Is it is it you know? Can you see David Argyle continuing now, or do you feel <laughs> he, he has to get out of there for his basically his own? his own health possibly and, and also as well the, mm-hmm. the, the reputation of the Toronto Wolfpack after everything that's gone previously
3: I think it's either or to be honest like we'll, we'll see there's lots of rumblings in and around the issue with the Toronto Wolfpack model is it works if we have games here like obviously, if you're a billion, like if you're a billionaire, you don't have a billion dollars sitting in your bank account. You have that in assets, and probably not a lot of them are going to be like liquid, especially during a COVID nineteen pandemic, where every the markets even like who even knows what the market's doing. So, if you have you know that liquidity where you can actually you know bring in game day sponsors, bring in ticket revenue, bring in beer sales, like it's a significant amount of money, and that's how the club has sort of operated. But as soon as you remove that. At this point, David Argos is writing checks on checks on checks, and he's getting no return. So I think, you know, we've seen the community model floated and it's worked like it it works here in North America. We've seen it in uh, there's two CFL franchises who use it. The Green Bay Packers obviously use it. They're a little bit of a weird anemone. But, you know, it's going to be up to David and the RFL. But if I think David sticks around, there's going to be have to be a renegotiation on that deal. And that's I think he's made very, very clear.
2: Yeah, just to kind of add to that, I mean, we, we put this out there to tw- people on Twitter is if you had a lot of money, you were a millionaire, and you had the option of investing $2 million and getting zero return, or not investing $2 million and getting zero return to play 10 games or however many games are left for a season that's going to have an asterisk next to it anyway, would you do it if it was your money? I probably wouldn't. You know what I mean? Like, like I get why people are upset about Toronto pulling out. But if you pull out the emotion from it, from a purely business sense, to secure the future of the team, I I can understand it. Now that loses a lot of credence when you look at the the other things, which is players not getting paid for two months. Uh, There's been rumors of vendors not getting paid, and all these other things. And I think that goes down to the way that David's run the club in terms of uh, how the money's been flowing, but. I mean, Scott says that they probably lost three, four, five million this year in revenue from being at home through TV, probably merchandise, the sponsors he would have brought in. David's a salesman; we've all seen it. You know, he gets some guys around a room at a rugby at a, at a game in Toronto. Probably takes out a million dollars from their bank account. Boom, there you go. Like that's how it gets done, and that's what he's been doing for four years. And I think you can say, well, why doesn't David have the money? And I think it is a question to ask. Is for three weeks now in the headlines what's a like sell some assets and pay off 200,000 in, in whatever you're owing and catch up and get rid of the headline. That's what we don't understand as fans um, as fans who are in the know. Um, and that's, what's frustrating, right? It's, you have this money apparently. So why not make it, make it whole for the, the players and their families, but also the staff mm. who do you think's tweeting out from the Twitter accounts or answering emails? There's no furlough program here. Who's getting paid up behind the scenes. That's one thing that's kind of, you know, ignored as well. And so I would, I would say, you know, it's disappointing. There's been a lot of trust lost. You look at the story coming out about Ricky Latelli today. We know for sure from talking to some players, some of them are working full-time jobs just to m- make ends meet. And I think ev- no, no one's really said anything ill about David's character in terms of maliciousness, but it's, we've broken a lot, a lot of trust and, and ruined a lot of relationships. And if I'm a player, why would I sign with Toronto in the future? You know, like, you can't blame it all on coronavirus. I think it is, it's a legacy thing. And you asked, would David stay on? I think Eric Perez and him coming out this week, um, saying all about potential new ownership and this story coming out today, I think it's pretty apparent that David probably won't be there in the future.
0: Thanks to both gents for their participation there. And uh, we will be hearing about them in a lot more depth. In a future Love Rugby League podcast, we're going to now hear from Sandy Shipley. You may remember her from assisting to host the Challenge Cup draw.
4: Thing is, as well, for example, people say, "Well, you don't belong in Super League." Hold on a minute. We started from the bottom and worked our way up. We followed the rules, and 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 if anyone keeps on saying, "Oh, they bent the rules for us," well, ha- had they done that, I think we would have been up here quicker. And they would have given us more money, for example, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So for me, I don't, I will never, they would not be in the the situation that they're in now in some elements, had they had the support from different areas. So for me, it's, you have to, so Catalan, I've been told went straight up to Super League.
0: They did. They did. They went in 2006.
4: Yeah. That's what I was told. My, Oh, that's interesting. So we didn't do that because we were told you have to start at the bottom and guess what we did we start at the bottom and then we get criticized because we got we were going through so quickly what do you want us to do we don't seem to ever win we then get to super league and they're like oh yeah but you can't have your your own money so we earned that and yet they took it away you know it's like saying to a kid oh you know do your homework you know i know you're really struggling but do your homework and then i'll reward you and they go sorry i'm not going to do that You wouldn't want that happening to you. Why the hell do you think it's fair for anybody else? You know, I always been thinking, you treat others as you want to be treated. And clearly that is not the motto of some people. Mm -hmm. You know, and had we gone straight to Super League, we wouldn't be in this problem probably because we went straight up. And therefore the commercial, you know, sponsorship would have been a lot quicker because we were in the elite already, you know. So it is hurtful that... People who are ready for it keep on throwing this negativity. I'm thinking, but we did everything that you that people have told us to do. We earned our our place, and yet people are just waiting for it. And yes, I'm getting used to it, but I shouldn't have to. And also, the one thing I really, I really struggle to understand is this attitude of we are a minority sport don't worry we are a minority sport this is bound to happen or whatever that kind of i'm thinking why should a fan accept we're a minority sport who in their life says oh i'm i i do this as a job that's it you know that's not much of a life is it if you just think that you're just doing something but you always want to strive for more you know why should fans just accept we're a minority sport netball is probably getting more advertising and more tv appearances than rugby league you know, we should, as fans, just say, Do you know what? Yes, we are minority, but you know what? If we work hard and we support each other, we can actually become one of the best. It's never going to be a football or maybe even a cricket. I don't know much about cricket. What I'm saying is we've got so much potential to grow, with, to go up within the, the ladder of popular, popular sports. But I keep on hearing things like we are a minority sports in this country. We are a global sport. Well, you can't be global if you're only playing in Australia and the UK. From what I understand, global means around the world, unless in the UK it means something completely different. And when I try to have this, and I think I'm, I I think you can say I'm fair on Twitter. I'm not, you know, I like to debate and I'm not insulting anybody. But when I ask questions like, why do you just accept that you're Uh, I guess a low popular sport in the UK or why are you saying that you're global the world's best sport, but yet you're not allowing You're not allowing with your negativity For us to try to expand it to other countries I've read you know Podcasts with other rugby league people who actually are in the sport either as a club owner or whatever And I understand you know Super League need to be on TV in order for the other clubs to get their, get a portion of it, which I didn't know. I only learned that this week. But for me, it's yes, I'm learning. It, it was screwed up many times before. And the impression I'm getting, now this is, I've only been following this sport for not many years, is that they wanted said right, we'll allow Toronto to come in, but you do all the hard work. And I'm just going to cross my arms and either say... I told you so, it's not worked. Or I'll go, Ha, you see, if it weren't for me, you wouldn't have been able to be so successful. That is how I've interpreted the last two weeks. And it is very frustrating because, like I said, the people who invested a lot of money for soccer, they knew it was a long term plan. Soccer was not, especially in America. There's, there weren't a lot of Europeans in, in the U.S., as in Canada. There's a lot of, like Portuguese, Italians, a lot of those in, in Canada. So to try to grow a new sport in 1993, they had no crowds, hardly any crowds in the first two years. They weren't attracting the crowds into the games. And yet they carried on because they knew it takes time and you have to lose in order to get your money back. And I think what's wrong is that no one supported Toronto. They wanted them to do it and they just waited. And I think, and the thing is at the moment, Toronto had no help from anybody, even during the pandemic. You know, Toronto couldn't apply for furloughing Canada because the Canadian government said no professional sports are allowed to get support. Not even CFL, and that's been going on for a gazillion of years. You get to the UK, ye, everybody can have it, apart from if you're a foreign company, which Toronto is a foreign team. So Catalan also couldn't have any furloughing support from the UK government, which is fair enough. I'm not saying they should have. And also, the RFL were given, what, $16 million as a loan? Any club could have used it if they were UK owned, which again, Catalan and Toronto aren't. So you tell me, cause I'm not, you've been around, I'm not saying you're old, but you've been around the, the, the sport longer than I have, which sporting team from any division would have survived with zero money coming from anywhere. Sponsors weren't paying because there were no games. They had no sky money at all, so that 1.2 million, is it, plus R 200 that they got from Toronto, so they got 1.4, they got nothing of that. You tell me who would have survived?
0: Well, passion goes right the way through rugby league, doesn't it, Adrian?
1: Just listen to the passion and what they've got to say. They, they, that, that just represents how we think uh, Toronto should be given a second opportunity.
0: So there you have it. We've rubber-stamped it. Let's hope that rugby league looks at it with uh, more favourable eyes, shall we say. Oh,
1: oh, yes. Well well said.
0: Just before we go, we've only got a few seconds left, but uh, Fixtures this week sees Castleford take on Catalans, Warrington against Hull Kingston Rovers, Salford against Hull, Wakefield v Wigan, Leeds against St Helens. It's going to be one hell of a weekend in Super League, isn't it?
1: It is and I know you don't like the magic weekend, but it's like it's like a mini magic weekend this weekend.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Right, we are just about out of here. Great to have you alongside me, albeit at socially distanced level, Adrian.
1: Yeah, social distance final hooter on love
0: And Radio General.
1: Radio General.